0: Are you guys ready up there? All right. All right, quiet on the set. Hello and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a Women in Film and Television board member and I'm also a producer at Jumper Productions and Tile Media. Timing can be everything. As all good filmmakers know well, a film can be made in the edit. In this podcast, Women in Film and Television member... Award winning editor Cara Holmes spoke with Academy Award nominated editor Joy Macmillan about her career to date and the craft of the edit and featured a surprise drop in in the form of Barry Jenkins, no less, Moonlight director.
1: Uh, welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland crew talk. I uh, am joined here today by Uh, two special guests. We are going to be discussing editing with Joy McMillan, who graciously agreed to talk to us today. Joy is an American film editor. Um, She is known for her nominated work on Moonlight. Um, She shares this nomination with Nat Sanders. Am I saying that correctly? I hope And uh, also, um, you may know her from If Beale Street Could Talk, and also the recent series, Underground Railroad, and much, much more. So, Joy, first of all, would like to welcome you here. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And uh, our homegrown uh, film director and editor, Cara Holmes, who has agreed to help me run this talk and ask all uh, the important and interesting questions about editing. Cara is also an award-winning filmmaker herself, and uh, I would like to welcome you here. Thank you for joining us, Cara. Thank you for having me, I'm delighted. Great. Um, I wanted to just let you know that as, as you know um, we like to focus on women filmmakers and all of us on the board felt that women who work uh, behind the scenes, uh, who maybe do the invisible jobs uh, to the audiences, um, they deserve their own spotlight and that's how the idea for Crew Talks was born and uh, I'm so I'm really happy that we can kick it off with editing and Kara, you have said you said you immersed yourself in everything joy macmillan (laughs) Um, so please kick it off and uh we'll we'll just be happy to listen and uh to ask questions if everybody has anybody has questions please pop them in the chat and we will just approach this as a conversation and if something comes up from our audience we're gonna ask yeah, no, thanks. Thanks
2: again, Yarrow. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely had a very joy-filled weekend in, in, many, in many senses. So I'm really delighted that, that Joy is here today to talk. Um, where are you based, Joy? I know it's 10 a.m. where you are. yes,
3: I'm in uh, Los Angeles, California, in a little area called Echo Park.
2: <laughs> very nice, very nice. Um, and so is that where you're editing at the moment?
3: Um. this is where I live because I my editing suite's a little uh windowless at the time at the moment so I
1: decided to, oh, okay. to
2: have some sunlight while we chat okay very good you're 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 above ground then for us um, exactly and like so like just on that like have you been doing um have you been editing remotely over the last year or so or, or are you in a, a studio or, or where are you We
3: um, we thankfully were able, well, the way it went down was um, everyone on our crew actually had to work remotely, and because everyone was gone out of the office, I got to come in during the pandemic, and then thankfully Amazon, you know, was able to start getting us tested, and so it was just the editors, their assistants, and Barry coming in, working on Underground. Um, So it was just like about six of us, and and it was crazy because we had just moved into this gigantic office that could fit 20 people, and literally the week we were supposed to move in, the pandemic hit, and everyone had to just leave. So walking into the office, it almost looked a little apocalyptic because it literally looked like everyone just dropped their stuff and ran out of the building, so that for about six, actually about two months, it was just me in this huge office, just walking to my little office and working. Um, So it was quite interesting yeah
2: yeah and did you enjoy that I mean less people I mean I was one of those people who dropped their bags and ran for sure um (laughs) with joy um but is that kind of like did you do you like that atmosphere in general or, or do you kind of prefer the kind of the hustle and bustle and you know I know we have to be kind of you know there's obviously a lot of kind of solitude and kind of quiet um in our profession but yeah do you enjoy the the kind of the conversations and, and Barry coming in and out and assistance yeah. And, yeah
3: well it was it was one of those things where I got a lot done in those two months in the span of two months but once I started getting to the point where Barry needed to like start watching stuff and inter- interacting with me um, he was like I need to just come in because he was trying to watch cuts and then give us notes but there's nothing like being able to watch with your director and they just tell you, like verbally tell you things that they love. Ooh, can we fix this? Because as you're watching and trying to take notes, you're not really watching. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, I'm watching, taking notes. And then sometimes you're like, I'll just watch and and then write my notes later. And then you forget some of the stuff you wanted to say. So it's great, like when I watch with Barry, he'll just, he'll throw things out and be like, oh, let's try this earlier. And he'll just start giving me stuff and I'm writing it down as he's watching, which is really great because I I get his first innate reaction of how he's feeling about a certain scene or episode
1: yeah
2: no no great and you know kind of yeah there's nothing quite like getting notes you know and emails and just you know kind of it can be endless you know and, and the conversation helps a lot um and I suppose we're talking about Barry Jenkins um yes and I I kind of I'm really curious about kind of you know how people start off in their careers and editors uh, as editors so would you be able to kind of talk about your own uh, beginnings and you know did you always want to get into the edit? sweet, um, <laughs> you know, sit on that swivel chair in a dark room. Was that your <laughs> mission in life? I, you know, when I was in high school,
3: I, I um, originally wanted to be a journalist. And so I was on the yearbook staff. Um, and, you know, I had those teenage dreams of moving to New York and, you know, working for a fabulous magazine and having a loft apartment. Uh, but I was a part of this um, program called Junior Achievement. And basically, the teachers of each high school selects two juniors to represent their high school. So it was me and my friend, Steve Kleiman. And um, the perk that I, really got me into it was you got to miss one Friday every month from school. And I was like, oh, sign me up. <laughs> at first, it was like, this Junior Achievement? They told me that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> um, and it was during one of the days, um, one of the Fridays at Junior Achievement, because I grew up... Um, just outside of Orlando, Florida. And we had this day where it was a career day Um, and you had to pick two careers that you're interested in. So of course I picked journalism. And um, if, you got, if you got selected for journalism, you got to go to Orlando Sentinel, which is our local paper. And then the second one I picked film because my brother Derek had just moved to LA to be an actor and I'm like, film sounds cool. Um, and so I ended up getting my second choice. And so the, where you, they took us for people who were interested in filmmaking was Universal Studios. And so they took us all around the park. They showed us the back lot. Um, And then I'll never forget, we went to this building and it was actually where post-production was happening. But at the time I didn't know that. And there was a man sitting at the Avid working on a show for Animal Planet. And he showed us all these different things he could do in the edit and I was fascinated. And of course I had all these questions and our tour guide was like, okay, we have to move on. Um, But I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I went home and I started looking up what an editor does. How do you learn to become an editor? And that's how I found film school.
2: Right. great, And um, I guess, you know, it's kind of I mean, I have quite an unconventional maybe path in there. I didn't go to film school Um, you know, have a science degree. So I'm kind of curious because I think, you know, when you go into film school, then obviously you met you meet these, you know, people who are just as fascinated with film and, and editing and all sort, sorts of departments. So it was here then you met Barry Jenkins and then yeah, a few more collaborators that you continue mm-hmm. to work with.
3: Yeah, so I ended up attending film school at Florida State University, and that's where I met Barry Jenkins, um, James Laxon, who's our cinematographer, Mark Syriac, who's one of our producers, and also Adela Romansky, who's also one of our producers, um, and Nat Sanders, who I co-edited um, Moonlight and Feel She Could Talk With. Um, and so it was interesting because I realized that like film school was something that a lot of people knew about very early on. So I felt a little intimidated when I went with like the way the film school does it is they have eight kids come in like a group and you do your your solo interview and then they give you a tour of a school. And someone was like, how many scripts have you written? And I was like, oh, you know, and then in my mind, like, what's a script? <laughs> Yes. What are they talking about? Um, so I was really nervous because I was like, kids have been studying filmmakers and all of this stuff for a really long time. And I was fairly new to this world, but also very intrigued by it. Um, and the film school at Florida State University was so thoughtful. We, you know, we learned screenwriting, we learned how to produce, we learned sound design. Our, um, our um, sound professor, Richard Portman, Um, who um, passed away, was this amazing re-recording mixer who worked on Rocky, Deer Hunter, and so he eventually became a teacher or a professor at um, Florida State, and he really honed in on us, you know, like really, really made sure that we knew the importance of sound, Um, and so it was a really cool program, and of course, I met some of my you know, fellow collaborators that I'm still collaborating with today. And that's one of the things I would say about film school is like, if you're in film school, look around, know these people because they're on the same journey you want to go on. And it's, I will say, it's a lot more fun when you do it together.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. I mean, I think that idea of collaboration follows through, doesn't it? You know, your kind yes. of your whole career, and you're, you know, you're always looking for those collaborators. You know, whether you meet mm-hmm. them in in film school or beyond, and um, and I think your your sound, uh, teacher, or lecturer taught you well because sound is such an important um. You know elements in your work for sure and you know we'll talk about that later you know i'll get into the specifics of, of sound and music and and just how you 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 kind of work your magic with those elements um and then you know it's that kind of it's the idea that kind of you leave film school you made these amazing contacts you know friends for life kind of thing and um you leave film school then and and i know it's a tendency and like we've talked about it in in women in film and television before that you know, for kind of young women in particular, there seems to be kind of a, a steep um, drop off in numbers that become directors and editors. And and what was that for you? Did you go straight into editing? You know, did you, you did you sign up with an agent and you know the rest is history kind of thing? You know, is it the glory the glory of <laughs>
3: it was interesting because um, i had this um um, professor at florida state brandy bradburn who had she had done the i was a bfa um at the film school but she was in the mfa program so she had gone through the mfa program gone to la um started being assistant editor on law and order and then came back to film school and she was kind of like the voice of truth and she was like when you go to LA, you're not gonna be an editor. You're gonna be an assistant editor. And this is how you be an assistant editor. And that truth was so vital. Cause you know, a lot of us were like, we're gonna be editors in LA. Yeah. Like that's, that's yeah. how you think as a young kid coming out of college that like, everyone's just waiting for you. And it's like, no, they're not. <laughs> um, and so she prepared us to be an assistant editor. Um, and she told us about this program through, um, America cinema editors, who's our honor society here in America for editors. And they do an internship um, every year um, where they take two up and coming, you know, filmmakers who've just left college. I think it's like they give a window of like a year or two after leaving college. And um, they do a really cool thing where they allow you for four weeks to go into these different cutting rooms. And um, it's usually like an episodic television show a movie of the week and then like a feature film and you get to see all these diverse cutting rooms and then they also then take you to all these different facilities like post facilities like sound um online um and now what they're incorporating now is reality television because that's where after doing the internship i ended up going into reality television because in order to get to the into the union you have to have a hundred days of work It has to be non-union work (laughs) so it's like this whole song and dance where you have to get your hundred days but you're not in the union to get into the union you know and it was one of those things when i was meeting all of these amazing people in these cutting rooms and they're like we'd love to work with you once you're in the union so you feel like you know king or queen for four weeks and then you're like oh now i have to get into the (laughs) union Um, and so that's how I ended up working in reality television. I was only supposed to be there for a hundred days. I ended up being there for two and a half years. Um, and then finally was like, I want to get into feature films. I know I have a steady paycheck working in, um, reality television, but if I don't leave now, I'll never leave. And so I basically did that thing where I didn't have another job, but I left reality and went into, um, and thankfully found a job in feature films.
1: Well, if I may, I'm just gonna jump in there to okay <laughs> when I, when I, um when I looked at your um tomography, I found out that um we have one person in common you were you were an assistant editor on Arcadia Lost, which was directed yes. by a cinematographer Faden Papa Michael. yeah, and I studied cinematography at Columbia College Chicago.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: oh okay. And actually, I was placed on an internship uh, with him uh, just after I graduated. Um, so I got to learn, you know, from one of the best cinematographers um, uh, about um, the way he lights and uh, he he works with actors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I just wanted to kind of underline what you said that I felt that in America, as a student, I had a lot of the doors open to me, and mm-hmm. and like schools worked with the industry. Uh, particularly my school worked with the industry to to find placements for students and opportunities. And that's something that I I, um, think I'm not sure I'd I'd be interested what Cara thinks, but uh, I think that's maybe missing here in Ireland. And that's why I'm happy we're talking to you, because I just wanted to expose to the wider um, audience here in Ireland that that's that's something that's possibility, how we can give a um, start to to the fresh newcomers in, in film even though as you say you know it's it's you you feel <laughs> welcome but then you actually have to go and do the work and work you know make your hours um yeah. but yes yeah, so six degrees of separation <laughs> <laughs> and degrees.
3: Was so lovely i had such a good time working with him
1: he's so great I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Likewise. I, I really enjoyed him as a mentor and he continues to be one uh, to this day. So yeah. wonderful. But yeah, that's right.
3: true that you were you were talking about I because one of the things I always say is opportunity and access. And if you are not giving people access to those, you know, like you know, to those different opportunities to learn cinematography or bring people in to learn editing, um, that's why I love to help mentor other people who are interested in this job because once you connect them to the right job or the right person, they just hit the ground running. I I ran into um, a young woman. She just won the uh, Eddie for Ted Lasso. And I was like, congratulations. And she was like, you may not remember me, but you helped me get a job. And I was like, oh. But because I I know how lonely it was to like, just kind of cold call and send out your resume and no one's (laughs) responding to you. So I like if anyone, I always like to help people get jobs because I know what it's like to just feel like no one wants to hire me, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's
3: a lonely place to feel like I'm so talented. Why won't someone hire me? (laughs) Yeah. I know we've all experienced it. And then it's that one person who's looking out and opens that door and then, you know, just take off running.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, it, it it definitely allows you to kind of fly then, you know, because the, the slog is real and it is important it is. to talk about it. And I think like, you know, yeah, like things like mentorships and, and guidance and, you know, kind of, there's a lot to be said about, you know, giving people that confidence, you know, at really kind of actually at no matter what age, you know, and, um, because people do have the ability. They do have the talent. And as you say, it's it's kind of opportunity and access. And they are keys. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. The bold That's calling. So
3: true. You talked about confidence. Because I had one of the girls I mentor. She was like, someone wants to hire me as a first assistant. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm like, you have all the qualities of being a first assistant editor. And I was like, and if you ever feel like you don't know something, call me. You know, like, I think there's, I think men have this kind of bravado that they enter the door with this confidence, even though they may not know anything. And I think as women, we're like, well, I just want to have all of this done before I say yes to this job. And it's like, sometimes just take that job. You can do it, you know? Like you you may not have checked everything off on your list, but I'm telling you, you have all the tools to do it. And if you if there's something you don't know, you just have those group of women who you call up and say, hey, you know, like I just ran into this issue. And so many people will be like, oh, I've ran into the same thing. This is how you do that, you know? And and I think that's one of the things is like women sometimes want to be like overly prepared. And I'm like, take the job. trust me, I've taken many a job and been like, oh, my gosh, how do you digitize a tape? You know? (laughs) Oh, tapes.
2: (laughs) how do you transfer mini dv i don't even know oh god that's where i started the mini dv Mm -hmm. yes worldwide um well yeah and and yeah no absolutely and i think you know the kind of and i think here in ireland as well we need to kind of create those opportunities and i think that is happening and i just i kind of just wanted to talk to you about that moment of leaving film school and kind of going right what now um uh, and then you know, after kind of you know your your hard slog and you know your 100 hours and probably a couple of years later, so so Barry Jenkins gets in touch to edit Moonlight, and um, I mean I have to say, like hands down, this is one of my favorite films, and um you know you were like you know i was kind of you know women in film and tv approached me to do this and i was like yeah joy mcmillan if she's around brilliant <laughs> yeah. um, Aww, thank you. You know, it, it's just such an incredibly impactful film you know it's powerful and it's brave and you know, how you cut it and, you know, it's, I mean, I could go on, um, but we really don't have enough time. But I mean, I suppose then, like, you know, maybe in, in terms of the practical side of things, you know, you were approached, I imagine, you know, were you on board straight away? Did you read the script first? You know, what, what was that kind of stage for you? Kind of just, you know, the kind of the first steps into that particular edit?
3: Yeah, so Barry and I, like, we, we had, we've been friends Forever, and we actually just you know we still hung out. We're um, doing Thanksgiving friendsgivings, you know, together. Um, and I remember because we also the first time we collaborated as director editor was on the short film Chlorophyll. He had done he had gone to Miami, did this um, short film for Borsch, and um, it was just like a two day shoot, kind of you know a lot of improv and. He was in San Francisco, I was in LA and we worked on it together. And that was the first time of us collaborating as a director editor um, relationship. And it was so much fun. Like we just really, like we really got along. Um, And so I remember the first time I, he sent me Moonlight. um, I want to say before he went to Telluride um, that year, so I'm thinking it was like 2014, 2015. I was like, oh my gosh, this script is breathtaking. Um, I'm like, you know, Barry, of course, has always been such an amazing and thoughtful writer. And something about that script was just so immersive. Like you were in it with Shiron, um, the lead. And so Nat and I were working on the fifth season of Girls, and it was like, oh, Moonlight's gonna go. And I'm like, okay, so finishing girls, Moonlight's gonna go, you know? So we're all trying to figure out how to do do both. And I will say that's kind of a, a running theme throughout my career is just like jobs always overlapping. I feel like as an editor, everyone's like, hey, We just need you for a month, and then it's gonna be six months. You know, (laughs) it's (laughs) like just like giving up. Like the ballpark is always like a tenth of how long (laughs) they'll need you for. Um, But we were super excited, and we're like, you know, we'll make it work. And so um, I couldn't believe that it was Moonlight was actually happening, Um, and it was the first film that A24 um, financed and it was kind of amazing the first time I got those first day of dailies was um the when the, bo- the little boys are playing um uh, uh paper ball in the park and it was it was one of those things to see because I've known Barry and James for so long but to see them back together again after all this time it was just like I don't know it was like coming home I was like oh this feels right like this is how this is supposed to happen wow. um and it was such amazing footage it's funny because <laughs> James likes to use a specific lens that like flips the image so I remember texting him being like the dailies are upside down And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny because like you know it's just like the the way we communicate and collaborate um I remember there's a specific scene where um uh basically teenage chiron like there's this flicker and i was like oh my gosh guys you know just flagging this because we didn't have like a telecity house like i was basically doing the transfer because that's how low budget this was so yeah. i was like hey guys just flagging this for you there's a there's a stutter in the image and james is like i know we like spent seven hours specifically trying to get that stutter that's the look we wanted i was like okay
2: good to know <laughs> you're like carry on carry on guys Exactly, Um, but it was, it
3: was, it was a tough, it was a tough, you know, post-production because it was just Nat and I, um, but it was, it was, to be honest, it was quite magical because it was like all of us giving our giving of ourselves to this project and knowing how important it is not only to Barry um, but to the story that he's telling. And um, we like, I think we spent, it didn't feel like a ton of time but it felt like a very focused amount of time on this film because we you know we only had like six months start to finish to um edit and we were trying to make it um the telluride deadline and that was like our main goal was to get into telluride because barry has been you know he started off as like a student intern at telluride and then was an advisor and then now he curates the short films and so it was kind of like, we wanted him to like be able like, guys, look at my feature, you know, at Telluride. Um, And then once it got into Telluride, we're like, yes, we did it. And then it just, you know,
2: became this thing and we're like, oh, we really did. it!" (laughs) Yeah, you really did. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, But yeah, it it was such a special experience. And it, you know, it's one of those things that um, you have to be prepared for opportunities like that because because the budget was small it wasn't a ton of money and so I basically had just been saving up from all of these jobs I'd been doing so I it afforded me the time to be able to work on moonlight you know which is important
2: yeah no no <clears throat> for sure um and i and i said you know you're kind of talking about how the script totally drew you in and i think the rest of the elements do too you know from the cinematography and to the sound design and and very um bold editing decisions as well and you know I, i'm kind of curious like how much free reign were you given you know in the edit you know or was it very kind of locked off in terms of shot list and transitions and Maybe kind of, you know, if you can remember the kind of the detail of, of the mm-hmm. edit um, um, and obviously kind of the soundtrack as well, you know, yeah. and, and maybe <laughs> how how did that work alongside it? Because, <laughs> you know, it's huge, you know, and um, yeah. so, yeah, maybe just about kind of, you know, the, the kind of maybe more technical side of, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of working with the different elements and, and what to start with
3: yeah you know it's interesting because when barry's very like his his script is not only um thoughtful and and intentional but it's also a blueprint of how he wants the film to be laid out and so a lot of the music was written into the script um for like the opening of act three um black he said you know goody mob song plays on the 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 um the radio and so i knew the Goody Mob song, the era that it was supposed to be. And that's when I I start going and and trying to find something that fits in that section. Um, And a lot of the stuff that we did in the edit, you know, Barry is a very like, I think he allows things to speak to him in the moment. That's how he shoots. A lot of it, he doesn't like to plan out a ton. Like he likes the scene, the atmosphere, you know, the location to speak to him. And then him and James, you know, just start going for it. Um, and that's kind of how, you know, when I present him things in the edit, he definitely takes it in. And then he's all, he, you know, he sometimes will be like, I got to think about it for a little bit, or he'll instantly, like, I remember the first time we showed him the first cut, he was, he was like, guys, I'm not going to take any notes. I'm just going to watch. And so he played the first five minutes. He's like, pause, 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 picked up a, paper <laughs> and just started it off. It's like, yeah, I knew you are going to take that. <laughs> Um, but he, he's definitely like, he, he knows what he wants a se- how a scene um, should make him feel. And that's basically one of the things I love working with him was like, we're always cutting with emotion and feel and what, what is the point of view? Right. What's the takeaway from these scenes? Um, and so f- uh, for Moonlight, for the most part, everything is as it was written. And the only thing that we kind of t- changed was in act three, I felt like we came back to Shiron's mom Paula. She was actually you're supposed to see her very early in that act. Um, and I just remember saying to Barry like it would be nice if maybe we pushed Paula like you know meeting Paula and him talking with his mom um, a little later so it kind of is that connection to him, you know resolving those issues with his mom and it kind of just sets him on the path to Miami Mm. to go see Kevin and kind of do the same thing. Um, And it was interesting because, you know, Barry's the writer and the director. So he heard it and he was like, "Mm, I don't think so. I'm like, okay, so three weeks went by and Mm. he came in and he was like, all right, let's try this and this and this. And it was like, he had been processing what I'd said for those three weeks and putting it together And then, you know, the way we ended up, you know, reorganizing the act, it feels so intentional. And I think that's one of the things I love about Barry is that he's always processing and he's always observing. Nothing goes unnoticed (laughs) about the process or what's happening. Um, And he also, as a collaborator, he enables you and gives, you know, and empowers you to be open to give these ideas you know i think there's some you know directors who can be a little bit of a tyrant and don't want to hear any of your ideas or opinions mm-hmm. and they're always right and i think that kind of stifles the organic you know the organic element of filmmaking because filmmaking is across the board a collaborative, you know, effort. You're pulling sources from everybody to make, you know, the best project possible. And if you think everything hinges only on you, well then that's, you know, that's an egotistical way to like kind of not embody what you know, what filmmaking actually is.
1: So
2: yeah for sure and and it gives you and us i suppose more room as editors to kind of you know be creative in the moment and actually kind of go with ideas and run with ideas and i know your time was tight on moonlight but you know we'll, we'll kind of talk about maybe when you have a bit more time to work on things that you know you can sit with your own ideas there and you know um you know and obviously kind of working into kind of pacing and again you know going back to kind of you know the idea around kind of sound and what you talked about mm-hmm. earlier. you know, do you build in your your own sound design when you edit generally?
3: I Do. I do. Yeah. It, it, it definitely because of you know Richard Portman, as I'm editing, you know, I, um, there's I'm always thinking about sound and really cool transitions. Um, I'll never forget on mm-hmm. if Beeltry could talk. Uh, it, was, it was one of those things where from Street could talk. We, Barry and I sat and worked on the transition from them making love into the um, railway station. I think probably, <laughs> it was like when I had, when I had finished with the scene, I would go back to that audio transition. And basically I'm, you know, I'm laying a blueprint for um, our sound supervisor, Anneli Blank, who's amazing. She worked with um, she worked with us on Moonlight, If Bill Shukadok, and also the Underground Railroad. But, um, there's these there's these sounds that I know Barry really really wants to convey, and it it marries so well with the picture that it's like you have to nail the sound because the picture is working so well that if the sound isn't complementary to it. It takes you out, and so it's one of those things that I you know some of our some of my favorite sound transitions exist. And if Bealshay could talk, because we really went for it. Um, and, you know, I think it really does convey convey the emotion that we are going for, you know, in the transitions of those scenes.
2: Yeah, it, like it's it's incredibly important, you know, it's um, it's that and it's and it's fun to play with as well. Actually, those layers <laughs> of sound design. I mean, you know, you can kind of pluck them from any, everywhere, you know, not not necessarily thinking it's the kind of the final the final version, but um, yeah, there's often been kind of uh, 10, 12, 15 layers of audio tracks just just, (laughs) um, because it is so much fun. And then, you know, finding the right, the right cue for music and, um, you know, and and coming back and making sure that's, you know, it's kind of, you know, true to the emotion of the piece and the character and, you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, yeah, there's a lot of things to kind of keep keep hold of in a in a timeline. You know, it can kind of get a bit sprawling from time to time, as you probably know. Or maybe you're one of those really tidy editors, I'm not sure.
1: Um, <laughs> no, Cara, Cara, enjoy. I'm gonna jump in here just because I'm not sure about something, but um does Barry know that you are on this call with us? Joy. <laughs> he does. We have a question here. Is it possible uh, to be the panel for a second? It's Barry. Is that <laughs> the Barry? <laughs> yes, it is.
4: Yes, it is. Oh. Been,
1: uh, oh.
4: I'm I'm trying to figure out how many lies about be joyous telling.
1: Those. How many lies are you telling? Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. That's such a surprise. <laughs> Has she been lying, good lies or bad lies?
4: I, I you know, I, I haven't heard the whole thing, but from what I hear, no, she's been very truthful and honest.
1: But that's, that's <laughs> exactly what's so bad.
4: <laughs> that's what we would expect. <laughs> so how, how did this panel come about? Why, 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 uh, why is the Joy McMillan speaking to uh, to the wonderful people of your of your country? <laughs>
1: Well, uh, um, it's a short story. So I work as a director of photography here in Ireland, and I, I joined the, the Women in Film and Television because I needed to spotlight us. I needed to yeah. m- create more opportunities for women in film. And Kara um, uh, is a, a director editor, and I just had an idea to run a series of Talks about women who work, you know, behind the camera. Um, and uh, when I asked Kara uh, to do a panel with me on editing, uh, like first person she suggested was Joy McMillan, and I had just gone off, uh, like uh, watching um, Moonlight. I was a bit late to the to the movie, but and I was like, oh yeah, oh my god, yeah, you have to get her. <laughs> oh, we have to get her, and that's how it happened. And um, we've lined up other other really um, interesting women from different fields. Uh, and Joy, but Joy is our first. She's kicking it off. Um, and so that's it. That's
4: it. <laughs> yeah, she she she's amazing. It's funny. I heard her just telling the uh the uh the Bill Street story. I don't know if you told it in the way you could have. But, oh wait, but, uh, well, <laughs> what was so, the other
2: way to tell it?
4: Well, just well, I, you're an amazing editor. You're an amazing editor. Period. You know, <laughs> gender non specific, whatever. You're an amazing editor, but. In this case, you know, Beale Street is a you know, it's a movie driven by a female protagonist. The person who wrote the book is male, the person who directed the film is male. Um, and so we're we're making this scene, the scene, the lovemaking scene, that we had shot at this amazing water. It was such a beautiful shot. And uh, and there's a moment where the the, the guy, Fonnie, goes to the record player, he puts on the record and he undresses, and somehow. Uh, I had shot in the water. We kind of stay with Tish. I can't remember how it was done, but I was like, oh yeah, this is like the female gaze, right? I was like, he goes to put on the record and we're with her and, and, and she goes, Barry, if that was a woman at the record player taking off her clothes, wouldn't you want to see it? And I go, yeah, I guess I would. And, and, I, and, and I go, well, we did shoot that shot. You know, we did shoot it and she goes, but why are we showing it? And so he <laughs> broke up my awesome water uh, to show this guy pulling down his tidy whiteys, and you know <laughs> his sculpture all ripped. And I was like, "Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you mean." And, and so I do think it's a. There are times where it could have been nothing but a bunch of dudes, you know, making uh, this that, that piece. Especially once you get it into post production, you know, then usually it is just a. Bunch of males who were sort of strepherding these images through. But I think, you know, one, knowing Joy so well and her understanding that we're collaborators and, and also respecting that, oh shit, she knows more about this image than I do uh, because she's lived it. You know, she's much closer to this woman's body than I am. So it's like, oh, cool. Not this is why you're here because you're an amazing editor, at point blank, period. But oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. Um, And that's happened so many times, you know, over the course of some of these images we've been doing because coming out of Moonlight, it's been nothing but female driven stories or or females, female characters on the protagonist. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. You're a lucky director, Barry, to have joy on your team for sure.
4: Oh, Um, she tells me all the damn time. Good,
2: good. good. I'm glad she does. I'm glad she she does. she (laughs) should. I I mean, it, it sounds like, Barry, that like you will often walk into an edit room and be kind of, Blown away, maybe, by some of Joy's uh, choices in.
4: Um... Well, some, sometimes and sometimes not. Sometimes sure, it's like no. <laughs> the other way. But 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 the thing that's that's been really good about about us, and it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day, Joy. That mm-hmm. the first time we worked together as director and editor was also the first time Anna Lee worked with us on this little no-budget oh, short film uh, we had done called Chlorophyll. Um, but I think what's been really great is. Sometimes I'll have Joy try something just completely not in the script, off the wall, this random thing in the footage that wasn't planned. And I think because of that, this relationship works both ways. Sometimes I'll walk in and Joy's like, okay, so I did a thing. (laughs) And and I'm always like, yes, please show me that thing. Um, Because oftentimes it's so far outside of what um, we intended or what we anticipated that it creates. know this new sort of path that even if it's not the right thing you know it'll get us working towards the right thing so yeah i was listening to you the other day you were talking about i love sitting in on joyce talks because i think it's (laughs) fascinating (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just it's fascinating for me to see directing is very lonely you know and you're oftentimes you're in your own head you have to be And you're watching the actors, you're watching the cast, you're watching the crew. You never really get to see what people think of you or how people feel about working with you. And Mm -hmm. you were talking about the footage and how how the the scene will evolve from take to take. And you're trying to piece together what James and I are are doing from take to take. And I thought, (laughs) oh, that's a really lovely way of looking at it. You know, you're sort of through watching the footage, you're getting into uh, our heads or our mindset of, this is what was happening on the day. Mm -hmm. And somehow, through this process of exploration, this is the direction they chose to go in. And then you'll take that piece. You know, as opposed to coming in, I think this scene should be structured this way. You're sort of searching for the structure. And that's how we work on set too. So Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I always love uh, listening to you talk. This one, I just wanted to make you smile by jumping on. I could have (laughs) just sat outside and kept listening.
1: (laughs) We were making her smile without you, Barry. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know, we really appreciate that you came by. But I, I just—if may I, Kara, just jump in? I have a question, and now that um, we also ha- have a feedback from Barry, I'd like to ask. So, so Joy, I—I I mean, I'm just jumping forward to underground. Ugh, this is a tongue twister for me. Underground, rail rail uh, rail. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Um, yes. uh, and so, I mean, the imagery mm-hmm. uh, is just, just so precise. The, the framing, movement, lighting, gorgeous skin tones, uh, blocking of the scenes, it, it's just so exquisitely beautiful. And it's such, such a hard uh, to process topic and story. Uh, as as with all, all your in, in all your films, it, it's always something that really grabs you uh, by the heart and mind. And I just wonder, like, when you look at this footage that's so just precisely crafted, how do you? I almost feel like uh, y- you need to kind of probably approach it from a completely different uh, way to to bring that um, th- that ugly truth back. I'm I, maybe I'm not I'm not expressing myself well but I just on their own they're you know beautiful images but when you watch it in context that's where you you really feel so how do you how do you go about maybe bringing it back in there
3: you know it's one of those things that sometimes when Barry and I will talk he was like you know this is a moment where we show and not tell because I think sometimes especially in television, there's these times where you get into these very expository scenes where people are telling you what's happening. And one of the things that I'm so proud of in the Underground Railroad is the way, you know, Barry and James took the time to shoot the series. There's a lot of times where we're not, you know, there is no dialogue and you are just taking in this imagery. And to me, a lot of times that's way more impactful us telling you about the horrors of slavery or telling you about these situations that these people had to endure when you're processing these images they stick to you you Mm -hmm. know and and it's very hard to shake and I think I think the thing that a lot of people are processing is these images are so beautiful but what's happening is so horrific Mm -hmm. um and Barry spoke about that where he was like you know we can't take these images and kind of distort them and make them you know look ugly because it was beautiful back then even though these horrifying things were happening so it's our due diligence to depict this story and you know and um, in this way even though this imagery is so beautiful this you know these horrors are also very truthful
1: mm-hmm. and and maybe I- maybe they stand out because of the contrast. I, wonder. Yeah.
4: I, I want to piggyback on that because the first two episodes Joy Cut were the first Tennessee chapter where everything's on fire and Mabel, the last episode of the show, which are two very heavy chapters, they have a certain beauty and a certain rhythm to them. Um, and yet when you sort of like juxtapose these images or you compound these images, it does add up to something very full throated, something that grabs you by the heart, um, as you said. Um, and, and I think there's something, because you guys have been talking to Joy, very bright. I mean, just like just like nothing but sunshine. And I think having someone like that navigating images like these, for me at least, for me at least, there's something very balancing um, uh, about that. And, and I, I did wonder too, I was like, is, how, is it going to be possible to process this? And I remember the first time you showed me that first Tennessee episode, and and we ended with Jasper singing a song. And I thought, yeah. oh, this was difficult to get through, but hot damn. You know, did, did, did we honor these people? Did we honor these people? Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm looking at the three of y'all and I realized this is a panel about women on film. I brought yeah. it in. I'm going to see my way out. I'm going to turn <laughs> my camera off. I'm going to go back to the audience and I'm going to let the women continue. I just wanted to say publicly how much I love you, Joy, and I salute Aww. you. And you are a badass technician, a badass class person. You're also a badass woman, all right?
1: Aw, thank
4: and you, I'm, I'm gonna keep listening. I'm gonna just see my way out, all right? <laughs>
2: thank you very much for joining us <laughs> that, that was a su- surprise visit um, but yeah i mean 100% agree like and and like coming back to that like joy like working in the edit room you know i mean how does you know imagery and scenes and you know obviously as editors you know you're looking at every frame and you know really sitting with the scene you know how does that affect you you know kind of you know you're in there day after day and you know and there there's huge weight associated with the project yeah Yeah. Yeah. I mean you know what do you do maybe to kind of uh find you know some relief from that as well
3: yes it was interesting working on this project during the pandemic and you know you don't have that kind of escapism where you can go grab dinner with a friend or go grab a drink um it was kind of very intense like working and then coming home and working and so a lot of it really stayed with me and it just so happened that while like where we were working on the edit there was like black lives matters protests going you know on outside and it was just kind of interesting to look at what we're working on and what was happening in America and realizing you know I said to Barry um our art is our protest You know, like to to keep on telling these stories and to keep on presenting these stories in this way is allowing people to not only forget, but to acknowledge what happened. Um, I think, you know, for a lot of people, they say this series is so hard and it's heavy, but the series is also very truthful and that's one one of the things that we did not stray away from was the truth. Yes, there's the fantastical elements of an actual train running underground which some people needed thought they needed to point that out that it wasn't true and I'm like of course not. <laughs> we know it's fiction. <laughs> it's based off a fictional novel. Um but yeah, it was one of those things where it was like it was important to be not only to be a part of this but to you know to present the series in this way because to me I feel like it's one of those, you know, one of these projects that for generations to come, people will watch and be able to take something away um, from the series. And one of the things I love is that, you know, Colson Whitehead, who did such a beautiful job in writing this novel, he's pulling from all these different eras of, you know, American history. And it's actually inspired a lot of people to go back and read the history that these events are based off of, which I think is really great because not enough of these events in history are talked about. And so reopening that door and having people want to go back and discover, oh, what is this, you know, this, you know, grace in the attic, what is that based off of? Or, you know, South Carolina, what, you know, what experiments were actually done, you know, to African-Americans. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the but it's, the series has been a catalyst for so many things and it's so great to see people starting to talk about it um, and really 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 be encouraged to dig deeper into our past and acknowledge these events you know that did happen
2: yeah no sure and, yeah and and as you say you know it's the it's so important for us you know kind of through the generations to learn about these histories that may not be necessarily in the history books or the school books and you know history can be messy and like i'm researching a project at the moment about queer history in our Ar- ireland and kind of women's queer history and you know there isn't just one history for you know one community and exactly. and you know and how this kind of history impacts us today you know what is it relevant to and you know you've kind of picked up on the black lives matter and and again you know you can't take your rights for granted and i think that's what i'm kind of coming back to all the time with this and that yeah, just, I mean, so layered and mm-hmm. and on that, I guess, you know, even within filmmaking itself, you know, this kind of focus on diversity and how important these conversations are. And, you know, um, you know, and how do we, how do we now as kind of editors, you know, and, and you talked about it earlier on, you know, kind of about kind of mentorship and kind of guiding people along, um, you know, what what is it that, you know, that we can do from now on, to kind of make sure that maybe there's an easier path, um, and, you know, that it might not be so hard to break down some of the barriers. And you know, I I don't expect you to have <laughs> to have all the answers, but, but it's it's good it's good to talk about nonetheless. Yes,
3: definitely. You know, one of the things that I didn't realize, you know, you know, by the Oscar nomination was how you know like being the first Black woman nominated for an Oscar just kind of shone a light um, or shined a light on the lack of accessibility, you know, for minorities to get into filmmaking. You know, filmmaking in a lot of ways is a bit of a luxury. You know, like I remember when I first told my parents I wanted to get into filmmaking Mm -hmm. they're like, does that pay the bills? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I think people, you know, like people realizing, oh, you know, what is editing? And, you know, like my nomination, encouraging people to find out what editing is to, you know, to have them discover, oh, I'm into that. Um, I don't know if that would have happened without that, you know? And so I think one of the things that we have to be cognizant of is that like a lot of people aren't aware of what we do. And so that's why, you know, when you guys, you know, ask me to be a part of the panel, I'm like, I would love to, because it's again, shining a light on women and the different, you know, areas of filmmaking that we're involved in and encouraging other people, you know, to take up arms and join us, because it is one of those things that like, if people aren't aware of what's behind the scenes are kind of like, no, I wanna be an actor and no, I wanna be an actress, you know, because they can see them, they're tangible. Yeah. But realizing what goes on behind the scenes to be able to watch a movie and to be, you know, <laughs> to be immersed into a movie is one of those things that's kind of waking people and being like, oh, I, you know, I could be into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of the way to do it is to show people, you know, what's behind the scenes and encouraging them. To learn more about it, I you know I did an interview um, with uh, this publication, Black Girl Nerd, and they're like, yeah. "What's an editor?"
1: And I was okay. like, "Oh,
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tell you." <laughs>
3: exactly, um, but I, I, you know, I think that's kind of the way to break down these barriers and to let, you know, these cutting rooms or any of these behind-the-scenes um, positions be more diverse is to allow people that they and you know and make people aware that they actually exist. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. yeah i i absolutely hear you um i um uh, just uh i'm just amazed how open you are joy and how much you're sharing with us just absolutely grateful for you and for your time My thank you i mean i i'm just reading on kind of on the side the response from our listeners and they're echoing exactly what i'm saying um <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I do have a question related to um to editing. So Kara, if I may, I'll just jump in there, um um and it's kind of will fit in with what you were speaking uh, to Barry about um uh, and, and and maybe before he joined us, you said that you got the script for Moonlight and uh, you know that you when you watch the footage, you kind of see what what sort of transitions he and James uh, shot. And we have a we have a director here asking like is there she got a recommendation based of her um, a short film from an editor that she should prepare her transitions uh, more, and uh, so she would like to know is there something that a, a director should or shouldn't do in prep to kind of make the job for you easier, um, uh, or can they do something to prepare to make it better for you in the edit? Um, anything, it could be technical, it could be just being open-minded. Is there anything you would suggest that maybe a starting director can focus on?
3: Yeah, I when I did a project with um, Jake Scott, um, he, we'd worked on a film called American Woman together and he, you know, in, prep- in preparation of shooting, he sent me the script and he was like, I want your honest feedback. What scenes do you think we can lose? And um, give me any thoughts when it comes to, you know, to like editing and how we're gonna tackle it. And I'm like, of course. So I read his script and it was one of those things where it was again, we jumped time. And I said to him, I was like, I, it says that we're now like five years later or seven years later, but what, how are we transitioning into that? Um, and he was like, oh, that's a good thought. (laughs) Because I was like, there, you know, there's a thing where people just, you know, they do the timestamp, and they do a wide shot. But I was like, you know, we you haven't started shooting yet. So maybe there might be an interesting way to transition from, you know, this jump in time instead of just, you know, doing a timestamp. And then, you know, he went away and then Two weeks later, he was like, you know, we, we, you know, I was talking to my cinematographer and we, we built in these really cool transitions to get us from, you know, these different years. Um, And they actually ended up being really, really cool. And so I guess my note is as early as you can bring in your editor to read, even before you start shooting, to read the script and to discuss ideas, I think you're going to be better off for it because if it isn't working in the script, it's not going to miraculously start working in production. (laughs) (laughs) you <laughs> know <laughs> every everything that i've flagged i have been like what is what's happening here and they're like oh well, you know we'll, we'll figure it out um, you know oftentimes they don't and and then i'm trying to figure it out in the edit um and that's one of the things that you know i think is very helpful is to bring your editor on early and have these discussions of how you plan on doing these transitions um the other thing that jake asked me was like is there any scenes that you think we could lose and I gave them a list of scenes I thought we could lose. And um, for the most part, they didn't lose as many as I suggested, but then in the end, we ended up deleting all the scenes I suggested. But sometimes I always say is like, even if that does happen, sometimes it's helpful for the actor and the director, even though you don't end up using the scene to go through the scene, you know? and it, how, it informs them of who the character is supposed to be. So oftentimes you may feel like, oh, you know, we ended up not using the scene, but I think the scene definitely informed the actor of, you know, the different depth and dimension that this character is supposed to have, so.
1: Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Kara, I'm really sorry. I'm going to be super... Um, uh, um, uh, annoying and ask one more question uh and this Let's is purely selfish as a as a cinematographer so you mentioned that Barry and James they like to kind of maybe not do that much much prep as far as storyboarding or breaking down the shots and they kind of go into the scene reading the the moment and, and figuring out how to tackle it there so as as a DO, dop that wants to cover his or her uh, base do, do do, do they, for you as an editor, to give you something, do they still have to, in their mind, have a way of transitioning, knowing how, what shot to get in there to get you in and out of the scene? Would you say, or, or are you then freed from what you get, the footage that you get, to, to maybe find a transition in, in there on your own, or there's just wishful thinking?
3: No, I, I will say, I, it, I think it definitely comes from our long collaboration. Barry and James are always very cognizant of transitions. Um, and also, like, you know, Barry doesn't love inserts, but they're really, really good about getting these shots of key elements. Like, for instance, the okra seeds um, that play a really big part in the Underground Railroad. Um, one of the things I love about, you know, watching dailies, I can see as things evolve and I'm, I'm writing down things that I think I might need. And, you know, I remember multiple times I was like, oh, where are the okra seeds? And by the time I got to, you know, through the takes, there's a take that specifically started on the okra seeds. And I was like, my guy is looking out for me. <laughs> like, I just this like, I'm like, but you know, it's one of those things where I, there's never a time where I had to be like, guys, we didn't get this, we didn't get this because um, the cover is, the coverage is included in the shots. And I think that's one of the things is like, if you can artfully find a way to get inserts, Um, it it just feels more intentional. You know, cutting to an insert is kind of like, there's definitely ways to do it that make it feel, you know, more organic. But when you can naturally start on something or end on something that's important to not only the scene, but the whole entire film or series, it just feels like so much more nuance and that there was thought put into all of this that makes the audience really get on board to the situation and feel like they're a part of, you know, the character's journey.
1: Wonderful. Brilliant. That's a great. Uh, great advice. Thank you very much. Yeah. Cara, back to you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could go on all day. I mean, I suppose I was like, you know, I, like you clearly love your job, Joy, you know, that's oh. <laughs> that, that kind of really goes without saying, but I mean, you know, sometimes you can get to a, a, an end of an edit and it might be quite, quite you know, stressful or you're tight for time or whatever, but there's always something kind of bringing you back. And I suppose when you're approached, you know, for your next project, you know, what what do you kind of look at? I mean, I guess you're kind of looking at everything now, whether it's kind of subject matter and who's involved and who's the crew and, you know, what what kind of keeps pulling you back into kind of the edit, you know? And, you know, because it can be tough at times, you know, and um, yes, and can be really intense and, you know, we can get stuck on, you know, tricky scenes or tricky edits. Um, yeah. And I get, you know, that kind of just comes back to, you know, what are the traits I suppose a good editor editor should have? You know, I, I would say kind of um, maybe stubbornness is, is one of them, <laughs> um, but maybe you have others. I I, I do have others, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, working
3: um, with Barry and also the other collaborator I work with, director I collaborate with, Jenix Bravo. Um, I will say that, you know, they feel like they're basically my family now. And I think that's one of the things that draws me back to doing the editing is like, as we're working together, it doesn't feel like work. Um, And I, one of the things that I really enjoy is that the the projects that I, you know, I, I feel so blessed to be a part of are stories that, you know, not only I feel like are necessary to tell, but they're told from such to me, such a thoughtful point of view. You know, when when Barry writes these scripts and and presents these characters, they always feel so fully formed and um and they feel like people like, you know, they feel like people who've actually walked to this earth. Um, and I can't, you know, the uh, there's I feel like there's only so much you can do as an editor if the footage isn't there, if you know the acting isn't there, we can't, you know. <laughs> we don't have a magic yes, wand that can say oh, boom, this is good, you know? Um, but I, you know, I've just, I've just had this amazing opportunity to work on these really, really awesome projects. And I think that's one of the things that um, I pride myself on is being a storyteller and, you know, being a part of these um, such, I think beautiful stories is one of the things that I'll never take for granted. And um, it's one of the things that keeps on pulling me back is like right now, you know, we're in a pre-production for a Lion King prequel, which is like a complete 180 from what we've done before, but it's still telling a really beautiful story. And I think that's kind of the through line in all of the projects that I'm a part of is that the, the you know a lot of these stories have been told before, but the perspective that is brought in the way that we're telling the stories is unique unto itself. And that's the part that I really get excited about, like, and we get to dive into something new with these new characters um, and always challenging ourselves to tell the story in a way that still feels unique, but also authentic, um, you know, to either the film or the series. Yeah,
2: that's
1: fantastic, Joy. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Um, I would like to, um, I mean, we are kind of encroaching on the time when you're going to have to leave us. Okay. Um, so, so maybe if it's okay with you to do five more minutes, um, if there are uh, any listeners that uh, have specific questions, please pop them in the chat, um, chat window. Um, I wanted to ask you, Joy, uh, how do you go about working with new directors with whom you haven't worked before? Um, that's first part of the question, and second, um, how do you deal with maybe, maybe, or have you dealt with um, 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 collaborators where you just felt it didn't quite click and you had to maybe walk away? If so, if that happened to you, how would you go about it without any egos being hurt? Um, <laughs>
3: I think, but to answer the first part of your question, you know, the first time I work with a director, one of the things that I really try to assess before we get involved is how much of a part they want me to be of the process, um, because I feel like there are some people that only want a certain response from their editor, um, and that's definitely not going to be me if you want a specific. Because I, uh, the thing that I'll always be is honest. Um, you know, and I think that's important for an editor to do that because that's the only way I feel like you can pull out the best of the, you know, the project that you're on is to be honest and upfront with how you feel about a situation or how something's evolving or even how you feel about, you know, the early drafts of a script. Um, but I, I've always looked for, um, The connection between the director where i'm like oh he actually wants me or he or she actually wants me to be a part of this process and this evolution of what we're about to embark upon um, on this film and so that's one of the things i look for and also the the ability to see like are we going to be able to trust each other because i feel like with a director and editor relationship you know there's so much footage and oftentimes the director can't watch it all, you know? And so they're trusting you that you're watching everything, processing everything and putting forth the best takes possible. And, um, you know, definitely, you know, putting your best foot forward. And um, if that's not there, then I probably won't take on the project, but if it does exist and I feel like there's this, you know, this honesty and trust that we can build upon, then they'll definitely Um, you know, choose to collaborate with them. And uh, I think one of the things that, you know, for both directors and editors, one of the things you have to be honest about is if something's not working. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, (laughs) you know, it's it's not going to end well. So if you do have to excuse yourself from a project, you know, I think the best way to be is upfront and honest about it. Like, I, you know, I've enjoyed working with you. This has been, you know, I've learned a lot from it, but if your aesthetic and your sensibilities aren't in step with one another, there's just gonna be this disconnect. And I think that's one of the, you know, the editor director relationship is so important because those are the ones that have to be really in step with each other. Cause if you're trying to tell two different, you know, <laughs> stories yeah. and they're not in alignment, it's going to feel disconnected. And the audience is going to experience that. They'll be like, eh, it felt like there was three stories in here or, or whose point of view is this coming from? And, you know, that's, I think as an editor, that's the role we take on is, you know, we are, I always tell Barry every aspect of what he wants, I'm thinking about when I'm editing, I'm processing like, oh, I think this is how Barry wants to approach this, or, oh, I saw how he pulled this line out of her, so I'm gonna make sure that it's featured and she's on camera. All that I'm processing as I'm working. Um, So if you have a way you wanna like present the story and the director has a way that they wanna present the story and it's not in alignment, it's kind of like, oh, you're trying to tell two different stories. So I might not have been the person to hire for this job. No. No.
1: No, but I, I absolutely um, hear what you're saying and uh, the honesty I think maybe in the beginning for for starting um, filmmakers in general um we feel that maybe we need to collaborate with as many people as possible so that we build up our experience our portfolios but along the way you learn maybe where you should have said no and we're afraid to lose out on that opportunity but so so I think but I think uh, what you're saying is always always go with your um, inner voice, right? And, and trust it. And uh, because I think if we if we say yes to a project, that's great, but maybe doesn't click with the lead collaborator. Um, it always comes at the end. You, you know why your inner voice was telling you to maybe step step aside. Um, Definitely.
3: The one thing I always say is it's a commodity that I think sometimes we're not aware of that we give it away so easily is our time, mm-hmm. you know. And so you're you're giving of yourself to something that you don't really believe in, or you're not really sure or confident in the collaborator that you selected to collaborate with. Like, that's vital time that you're giving away to something that you that may not be worth it. And so that's kind of how you have to approach. There's many there are many a times where I'm like oh, this project would take me here and I get to do this. But then I'm like, like I don't really like the script. So like, yeah, I can't yeah. think about like, oh, this could take me to London or, oh, you know, like <laughs> I have yeah. to look at like, is this worth my time? Because most of the time when it takes you somewhere cool, you're spending 16 hours in a bay anyway. So it doesn't really matter how the cool place that it takes you yeah, to, no, you know? No um, but yeah, or like, Oh, I could go to Paris or even go to Ireland, <laughs> but I'm yeah. like, working, you know, um, but if I was going to Ireland, I might have to take that. Cause I've always wanted to go
1: <laughs> so, uh, around for sure. Uh, you have you have guides and friends here in us. <laughs> Thank you, Joy. You're um, so welcome. So- <laughs> Cara, is there anything that you would like to ask to close up the conversation? Because I'm conscious of not holding Joy up too much longer. Would
2: you like yeah. to maybe? No, I mean, I was just actually that last point, Joy, is time and it's something I had to learn over time actually. Yeah. It's just, you know, be really kind of clear about what you want and um, yeah, what are you gonna find fulfilling, you know? And it's that kind of, you know, editing is instinctual and that goes with, you know, your collaborators and who you work with as well. and and being honest with yourself. So yeah, no, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, and you're welcome to
1: Ireland anytime. Oh, well, Our doors are always you. open. <laughs> Maybe Barry might, you know, come to if you. Oh, he would love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Ireland would never be the same if Barry and I came. To. Great. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I think this is this is the a good place. Oh, to Barry,
3: so sign me up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. All right. on, Okay. Thank you soon, Barry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're in. You're in. But uh, I mean, Kara, if if you agree, I think this is a good place to to conclude the conversation. I mean, I think everyone can say see that we could speak to you for much longer. Joy, you are a well of uh, just just knowledge and um uh insights um so thank you for the time you have given us thanks for uh, having me this is a lot of fun yeah
2: thank, thank you joy uh from me again yeah really much appreciated for your time and best of luck with the future you know you're kind of yeah you're 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 doing it oh, <laughs> you're, thank you. this is I, so
1: much fun <laughs> and thank you and i would also like to um personally and from Gemma uh, from the board, thank um, Gian uh, for helping us organize this. You have been amazing, Gian. Thank you. And Joshua as well for supporting. Thank you so much everybody for being here. Uh, Have a lovely evening. Go enjoy our morning lunchtime for you, Joy. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Cara, so much for hosting this um, with us. And all the best to you and please
0: tune in next time. Thank you. This event was made possible with the support of Screen Ireland. If you would like to support the work we do, visit wft.ie.